Welcome to episode 8 of the More XR podcast. It's the latest in augmented reality to virtual reality and everything in between, and it's brought to you More Insights and Strategy. I'm Anshal Sog, More Insights and Strategy's principal analyst covering XR, 5G, smartphones, PCs, cloud gaming, and much more. So let's get started. This week, we've got a ton of topics to cover. It's quite busy. Uh, we've got about 23 topics. Uh, part of the reason for that is I did not do a wrap-up podcast at the end of the year. So instead, I'm doing a combo that wraps up the last two weeks of the year, as well as uh, covers CES. So let's get started. Uh, the first topic I want to talk about was uh, Intel has their own view of the metaverse. Uh, you know, everybody has been getting involved and talking about what their thoughts are on the metaverse. And it seems like Intel's view is very infrastructure centric. Um, they also seem to be having a lot of thoughts around having multiple layers of the metaverse, which I don't think I've really seen much talk about. So they have these multi-layered views um, that, that I think are interesting because it looks at it from a hardware layer, a software layer, um, and, it, and it kind of takes into consideration needing to have open frameworks and open um, platforms to interoperate between different metaverses, I guess. Um, but essentially, what I think Intel is trying to do is to create a base layer of capabilities and SDKs and integrating um, what might be possible in the metaverse into its one API and other software SDKs that it has, in addition to, you know, supporting it on the CPU side um, and on the GPU side, which they will be launching later this month. And I think it, it's going to be very interesting because Intel has very concrete place in infrastructure, whether it be networking, um, data center, and obviously, in my opinion, at least, the metaverse is very GPU-centric. So Intel is going to need to have a more comprehensive strategy, which is why I think they came out with this whole Intel view on the metaverse. And I think that they're going to look at how Intel enables networking in the metaverse and all of the infrastructure layer. Uh, you know, they're already pretty involved with stuff like 5G. And I think they're going to leverage their expertise with 5G and other infrastructure to sell themselves as a player in the metaverse. Now, moving on from Intel, uh, the next topic I want to talk about is a pretty short one, which is Among Us, the very popular um, game, mobile game, I guess you could call it, but it's cross-platform. Uh, that game is going to be available in VR on Oculus Quest, uh, which I think is a big deal because Among Us was very popular before and during the pandemic started. Uh, so I think it's going to be a, a big title and a lot of people are going to be interested to try and play it. And I think it's just going to drive more users towards Oculus Quest and trying out VR. Uh, speaking of Oculus Quest, uh, Horizon Worlds, which is Facebook's own you know, interpretation of the metaverse, has finally come out of beta. Um, that was obviously in, later, in, in December. Um, and yeah, I haven't had a chance to try it in a while, so I'm probably going to pop back in and, and give it a go now that it's out of beta. But I think there's probably still a long way for it to go in terms of becoming a metaverse-like experience. Um, in addition to that, uh, Sony had a pretty big uh, technology day, which I think was interesting because they were very focused on showing new technologies, uh, which they, they usually do in person, but this year they did virtually. 
Um, and they showed off two things that were very interesting, which were 4K OLED displays, which are 4K by 4K square, one-to-one -one aspect ratio. And they also showed off some haptics for PSVR, which are gonna be in the new PSVR 2 controllers. Um, interestingly enough, we ended up finding out that these 4K OLED micro displays are not going to be in PSVR 2, but might, might end up being in PSVR 3 or some other VR headset that wants to have true 8K um, resolution because a lot of companies that are claiming 8K today, um, they do have 8,000 pixels wide, but they only have 2,000 pixels high, uh, which is not enough to claim true 8K resolution. Uh, moving on from there, there, we've got Gabe Newell's comments around Valve's VR and uh, hardware and software investments. Um, I thought that was an interesting story because um, it, it kind of talks about how Valve is obviously investing a lot uh, in hardware. This was in the beginning of December, but I didn't get a chance to cover it. Um, and he kind of talked to some students about AR, VR, and brain-compute interfaces and kind of gave an idea that, you know, there's still a lot to be done in terms of enabling AR and VR hardware and that the company um, continues to invest heavily in uh, AR, VR hardware. But um, it was interesting to see his his views on BCI. Um, and yeah, it, it's, I think ultimately they haven't really talked much about BCI uh, since February of 2021, but uh, it's a potential interface for XR down the road, um, but a lot of people are kind of worried about that. Um, moving on from that, I think there's a, a pretty interesting thing that happened with Spatial, which is the company that has for a long time been one of the consistent players in the teleconferencing, telepresence, holographic conferencing space. Uh, they've kind of pivoted away from enterprise uh, towards NFTs and kind of being the place where people can meet and experience NFTs in person. They also raised $25 million in funding as a part of this pivot. So they're moving a little bit more towards consumer than they were before. And they're also trying to engage with the NFT community to give them a place to, uh, you know, show off their art and exhibit and, I think it's cool because they're they're gonna have like a one-click NFT gallery where you can take all your NFTs and just you know import them into their into their uh, platform and and have them on display, which I think is pretty cool. Now, pivoting from that, there was talk about uh, Meta's recent acquisition of Supernatural. Uh, Supernatural is a fitness app that I'm a big fan of. I, I used to do it a lot in VR until I moved. I probably will pick it back up pretty soon, but um, the studio that owns Supernatural is called Within, and they acquired Within with the intention of owning Supernatural for $400 million, and um, this is kind of a continuation of what uh, Meta has been doing with acquiring some of its most popular apps in different categories. Uh, they acquired Super, they acquired Supernatural, but they also had acquired previous, previously other apps like um, Beat Saber, and a whole other host of other apps that were very successful on the platform. And I think this behavior is what has attracted the FTC to put the within acquisition and possibly others under review. Um, but we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm not really sure at this point, but 
the Biden administration does have a new person in charge of the FTC who is very anti-trust uh, amongst you know other things like having limited competition. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, moving on from there, we, we saw that uh, Mark Lukowski, who is previously from Meta uh, and was in charge of the Meta effort to uh, create their own OS uh, in, in, in place of Android, has actually uh, moved to Google and will be in charge of building their version of an AR OS. So it's, it's interesting because uh, that effort at Google uh, may have hamstrung Meta's current efforts to create its own XR OS to move away from Android, which I find somewhat amusing because uh, they they were planning and spending a lot of resources on building their own OS to move away from Android, and the guy who was in charge of it has now moved to Google, which is in, you know in charge of Android. So maybe he will you know build some things into Android that will make Facebook happy enough to continue to use Android or whatever AROS they end up building, and that might just make everybody happy and 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 prevent the potential of creating yet another OS. Um, Moving on from there, I wanted to talk about Realware's newest uh, assisted reality headset. So Realware is a company that's been around for a while, and they do a lot of these very rugged um, head-mounted displays that allow people to, with voice controls, uh, control uh, a display mounted to their face, and they're able to also remotely communicate with people and kind of get an experience where you can have remote service and and have guided um, experts kind of talk you through things, but uh, this they've been using the HMT1 for a while, and it's been a pretty simple and robust platform, but they're moving towards a new modular system called the RealWare Navigator 500, which is, once again, a, a very similar head-mounted display. Uh, it's monocular, so it's only for one eye, um, and the reason why is because they want people to be more engaged with their surroundings than they are with what's going on the headset for safety purposes because you don't want people doing that on a factory floor or you know in an oil field so uh, this navigator 500 is interesting because it's highly modular so you can you know upgrade camera sensors you can add a cellular module you can you know hot swap batteries so i think the real realware navigator 500 is going to be a very interesting device moving forward for the xr industry um, and, you know, because of what Realware has done for the assisted reality market, I think it's going to be something to continue to watch as they mature the platform and introduce new capabilities uh, and, and take advantage of 5G connectivity once that becomes available down the road. Now, another company that has kind of staked its claim in the metaverse uh, was Coinbase, which I thought was very interesting. Um, obviously, Coinbase is a pretty common company that most people are aware of. Um, and they kind of talked about how they define the metaverse and how it's part of Web3. And um, I think it was interesting because uh, they want to stake their claim in what cryptocurrency can do and what what they think is important and who's, you know, what kind of companies are, are involved in the metaverse today. And, you know, they talked about virtual worlds and ownership focus parts, gaming focus, and even foundational with protocols and things like that. And 
you know, they definitely called out some companies that are very clearly, you know, defining what's going on in the metaverse or what will happen in the metaverse. Um, but there's still so much going on with so many different NFTs and cryptocurrencies. And, you know, the interesting part is that Coinbase wants to be a big part of that with what they do with Ethereum and wallets and enabling transactions, you know, for digital assets. So uh, it was really interesting to see Coinbase get involved and, and talk about their their belief in their role. Uh, moving on and continuing to talk about the metaverse, uh, Rec Room raised $145 million, um, which is a lot, especially when you consider that it now sets their valuation at, I believe, $3.5 billion. Um, and I think it's a good thing because um, Rec Room has been doing a lot of things right. Um, and I think that they are focused on the experience and fun more than they are graphics um, and having, you know, high quality visuals. Uh, and they're very focused on the social aspect of things. And I think that's really where the core of the metaverse is going to be, which is social interaction. So they saw a lot of growth. And they're, they're going to continue to see growth, I think, especially when you consider that they're available on so many different platforms. So, um, yeah, I, I think they, they launched in 2016, so it's been about six years now. Um, and I think that they've really grown with VR and, and found a way to survive through the ups and downs of the industry. And I think that uh, what they've built is something very fun. And I can speak from experience that, during the pandemic, it was one of the easiest places to meet up with people and just have fun and do stuff and, and actually, you know, feel like things are somewhat normal. Now, moving on from there, uh, we're going to talk more about um, Meta, but in this perspective, it's going to be that Apple hired Meta's head of PR for XR. So this is kind of a continuation of the movement of people. Um, I'll, I'll say that I've seen a lot of people moving around uh, between Meta, uh, between uh, Qualcomm, Apple, uh, you name it. There, there's just people moving around a lot and lots of competition. And I think that's part of the reason why we saw someone like Meta acquire within because they're worried about losing people. Um, but it, it's really interesting because Andrea Schubert, you know, she's she's been at... Um, Meta, I think, I forget how long, at least 10 years? Yeah. Since, no. Since, since, so it's been five years, my bad. I misread that. So, um, yeah, she's been at Meta for almost six years. So, moving over to Apple, she's, you know, obviously seen all the swings up and down. And um, this industry has been a tough one for some years. So, uh, people who survived and were able to, work through the difficult times obviously have um, a lot of experience and knowledge and I think uh, Andrew's going to do really well at Apple and hopefully they can take some of her knowledge and experience and and take advantage of it and make it more open uh, I guess is the best way of asking or saying that you know Apple's uh, way of doing things is a little bit closed and hopefully they're a little bit more open with what they're doing but that's a hope and a wish uh, another interesting uh, raise that I saw happen was Mojo Vision, which is the company that makes the uh, AR contact lenses, raised $45 million. 
and um, it's it's an interesting development because this specific round of funding is actually aimed towards enabling Mojo Vision to work in sports applications. So it looks like the Alexa Fund, PTC, Edge Investments, uh, as well as additional existing investors also got in on this round, and they want to enable this to work in, you know, yoga, cycling, running, golf, you name it. And um, it, it looks like they're trying to expand the capabilities and possibilities of what a contact AR lens can do. So, you know, when you try to broaden the scope of a company like Mojo Vision, that's going to require some funding. And, you know, they already have um, $200 million in funding. So we'll see where this takes the company um, and what will come out of it. But I'm very optimistic. They have a lot of really great tech and some really good talent. Um, and that kind of wraps things up pre-CES. Um, I think the Mojo Vision announcement actually might have happened during CES, but I don't think it was associated with it. So one of the big announcements at CES was a Qualcomm partnership with Microsoft to build custom chips for Microsoft for AR glasses. And this is in addition to the partnership they already have where Qualcomm has built chips for Microsoft for Surface and is also the chip provider for HoloLens 2. Um, but it sounds like this is kind of an early pre-announcement of what might come in the future from Microsoft with HoloLens, where there could be a pair of HoloLens glasses that are very low power and lightweight that would work within the existing um, Windows Mixed Reality ecosystem. And I believe the announcement also said that they will be integrating a mesh as well as Qualcomm's Snapdragon spaces and all the capabilities that come with that into the HoloLens um, platform. So it'll be really interesting to see what that combination looks like and how those two partnership, the partnership works together in the future. But it, I think we can expect to see a headset out of Microsoft very soon. Maybe not this year, um, but probably next year. Uh, but, you know, you never know what these things is. It's, it's going to be a very busy year in 2022 uh, as well as 2023. So, um, speaking of headsets, um, Shift All, which is a subsidiary of Panasonic, announced its own um, micro LED VR headset, which is called the Megon X, um, which is a it's a VR headset with a twenty five sixty by twenty five sixty per eye, one twenty hertz ten bit HDR display. It's six off, compatible with Steam VR. Um, will work with DisplayPort over Type-C or DisplayPort cable. Clearly, this is for PC applications, but I think it's also uh, a way for uh, Panasonic to get its displays out there and, you know, get people excited about the technology and its capabilities. Uh, speaking, of AR head speaking of headsets, uh, at CES, TCL showed off their Laniao AR glasses as well as the Nextwear Air um, head-mounted head display, and the Laniao AR glasses look fairly simple. Uh, we don't really know much about the specs or the pricing, um, but it sounds like they're a prototype. They are fairly large from what I've seen in pictures. Um, I'm hoping that they'll have these 
available for demos at CES, I mean at uh, MWC, um, but apparently they had them at CES and I was told they might not, so it seems like maybe things are a little bit uh, further along than initially thought. Um, speaking of headsets, another headset announcement that happened at CES happened during the Sony press conference, which was the PSVR 2. So I don't think very many people were expecting Sony to announce PSVR 2 at CES, but they did. Uh, and no surprise, it does work with PS5, um, which is both a, a great thing and a bad thing because they're, it's very hard to get a PS5 right now. Um, but it does have great performance and lots of um, GPU horsepower to take advantage of. Um, the great thing is, is that it does have 4K HDR, it has 110 degree field of view, they are OLED displays, but they are 2K by 2K per eye and offer 90 or 120 hertz refresh rates, which means that the displays that were shown off at Sony's Technology Day are not the same displays that they're using in the PSVR 2, which means we already probably have a good idea of what PSVR 3 will do. Um, that said, this headset does have headset-based controller tracking, meaning that it's an inside-out tracking system, and it will use the headset to track the controllers. Um, and it does have the ability to do eye tracking, uh, and I think that's going to really help the PlayStation VR 2 in terms of getting high-quality visuals and getting great performance, because foveated rendering is going to be super valuable in getting great performance out of high quality. And I think this is also going to mean a huge thing for the foveated rendering as a whole because now Sony, one of the largest players in the in the VR space, is going to kind of make sure that foveated rendering is a thing and people take it seriously and that, you know, application developers start actually integrating foveated rendering into their apps, which will then spill over into everything else because, you know, people are going to actually start taking foveated rendering more seriously, which will ultimately improve VR image quality, performance, and battery life for standalone headsets, which this is not. This is actually a wired solution, but I'm still excited about it because it's a single cable solution and it's Type-C, so it's not going to be all, all crazy like the PSVR 1 was with all the cables and power adapters and stuff. It was just not a great experience. So yeah, I'm very excited about PSVR 2. We'll see whether or not it can really be competitive with what Oculus, I mean, Meta is doing with the, the Quest 2. Nonetheless, it's a big improvement, um, and it's going to be very welcome uh, within the industry and hopefully um, give some competition to Meta. Speaking of Meta, um, they had a very good holiday season. Um, Kotaku actually said something nice about VR and, and sales of the, the Quest 2 and mentioned that, no surprise, uh, the lack of console availability and the availability of the Quest 2 in in sense that the Quest 2 is very available and was very easy to purchase and only $300. Um, I think the Quest 2 had a huge holiday season. And when you look at what a lot of application developers were saying about their sales on Christmas, um, I saw some developers saying that they were seeing anywhere between 4 to 5x last year's sales. So um, that's a huge jump in, in, in an actual, um, you know, sales, as well as um, there were 
lots of people talking about how, you know, the Quest app around Christmas time was the most downloaded app or one of the top most downloaded apps, um, the Oculus app for the Quest, uh, was like top five or top three on both Android and iOS. So I think that says a lot. Um, it's not perfect. There's still a lot of improvements to be made with the Quest 2, but in terms of price and performance, it's very hard to beat, and I think that's going to be um, the case for quite some time. Uh, and yeah, I, I think if there's people out there really experiencing VR in uh, mass, and we know that there's at least 10 million headsets out there today, and I have a feeling that with the holidays, we might even be well past that number now. Um, it, there's a there's an actual ecosystem for developing apps for VR and making money and being profitable. I mean, there's a reason why Meta's acquiring these apps. It's because they're they're profitable and they're successful. Um, moving on from there, uh, VR engineers uh, came out with their new XTAL 3, which is a ridiculously wide field of view headset. Um, it has a 180 degrees field of view has an 8K resolution. They're claiming 8K when it's really uh, 3864 by 2192. So that's per eye. So they are actually um, getting that true for, well, they're, they're not really getting 8K because it's only 2000 pixels high. Um, so it's, it's half of 8K really. Um, and they're getting 90 Hertz with foveated rendering it seems. And then, um, yeah, it, there's, this is the mixed reality headset. Um, they have different fields of, they have different fields of view for, um, different lenses and, um, they have different pixels per degree based on those lenses. And the, uh, they, they do have a VR version of it as well. So the VR version doesn't have the outward facing cameras, um, for pass through. Um, but they do have... The VR version, I think, is about nine grand, and the uh, mixed reality version is eleven grand. Both require Windows, um, and work with Steam VR and OpenXR, um, and work for tons of different types of simulators. Um, but the interesting part is, they are 4K LCD displays, and they can do auto IPD because there is eye tracking. Um, and that means also supporting foveated rendering. But yeah, XTAL has been around for a while. I've tried most of their headsets. I haven't had a chance to try the XTAL 3. Unfortunately, this launched at CES, which I'm not attending in person. Um, but yeah, I think um, the engineers has kind of stuck around and they seem to have a very good relationship with flight simulators and, and simulation training. So I expect that we'll continue to see them competing with the likes of Vario and other high-end VR headsets. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to see that they came up with a new version that's got, you know, higher and higher quality displays, uh, as well as pass-through, which seems to be a continuing trend in um, enabling mixed reality for, for high-end training solutions. Moving on, um, Canon made an announcement with a app called Kokomo, which is a combination of a smartphone app and, and, and some kind of use of their cameras. I still haven't quite figured out how it works because every video I've seen about Kokomo is like a promotional video that doesn't actually show you anyone using it. 
Um, so I'm, I've been hammering away at a Canon trying to get an answer out of them to explain how it works because they claim that you can use a VR headset, but also that you can see other people. And I'm not really sure how that works because if you put a VR headset, you can't see somebody's face anymore. Um, so I'm kind of waiting for them to explain what's going on there. Um, other than that, I hope that they're able to build something that's, you know, interesting and compelling as a platform for uh, communication and telepresence because there's no lack of need for that right now with people continuing to isolate during, you know, these surges of Omicron. Um, but yeah, hopefully we see more about it soon. They said they're, they're in early stages of it and they might even have demos at CES, but hopefully somebody records a demo of it and we can see what it actually looks like. Uh, moving on from that, uh, this is fairly recent news that um, Snap has been battling the U.S. Patent Trademark Office for five years to get the, the Spectacles trademark, which I think is very interesting and funny because obviously Spectacles is a very generic term. Um, and it seems that the Trademark Office says that they cannot have it because it is such a generic term. And it seems like Spectacles is now suing them to get the rights to do so. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously, Spectacles has been around for quite some time as a brand for Snap. For their glasses, I have Spectacles 1, 2, or actually I have 1 and 3. I do not have the most recent Gen 4, which is their AR binocular display headset. Um, they've only been showing that to um, creators and are sampling it to creators. It's not available for purchase. Um, so we'll have to probably wait till Gen 5 to purchase a headset from Snap uh, with the Spectacles brand name, but it seems like they're struggling to get that trademark. Um, in addition to that, we've got HTC Vive, who announced um, a 6 off wrist tracker as well as a, char a charging carrying case and battery charger for the Vive Focus 3. Um, clearly, they are building a very robust ecosystem around the Vive Focus 3. It seems like the Vive Focus 3 is their primary headset of choice. Uh, we haven't really heard much from them on the PC side in quite some time. And it makes sense because standalone is the volume play. Um, and the display in the in the um, Vive Focus 3 is the same as it is on the PC headset. So if you can stream or connect it to a PC, it's as good as being on a PC with a PC headset. So. I'm I'm very interested to see what HTC Vive is doing with the Focus 3 and how much of an ecosystem they've built around it and all the apps and updates they've done to making it more LBE friendly. Um, we'll see what happens with that, but they definitely are not pushing for a consumer play yet. Um, they've tried that initially and also had a enterprise play going, but it seems like they're continuing to move in the enterprise direction. And that sort of sums up all of my thoughts on the latest XR metaverse news. Um, you know, I wish I was at CES this week, but the pandemic has made that difficult. Um, I do have some thoughts about the metaverse coming soon. Hopefully they'll be written. Um, and yeah, I, I just really appreciate you guys listening. And I hope our listeners found this week's topics interesting. And if anyone out there would like to provide insights on a specific XR topic for a future podcast, please reach out to me on social media. I'm at Anshel Sog, and I hope you have a great weekend. Please tune again next week.